0: the <Dude> new <IN prowad transition ofgo>
1: Merry Christmas, we thank you for joining us this morning, we ask you to stand with us as we celebrate and worship this morning.
2: his son to save us it's Christmas he's born he's alive and Jesus is alive the living word of God this morning our scripture is found in the third book of Proverbs third chapter of Proverbs starting with verse one my child never forget the things I have taught you store my commands in your heart. If you do this, you will live many years and your life will be satisfying. Never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Tie them around your neck as a reminder. Write them deep within your heart. Then you will find favor with both God and people and you will earn a good reputation trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. That's the word of God for the people of God. And isn't it a good word? Amen. It says we don't even have to worry about what we think. We can seek God's will, and he'll show us. He puts our feet on the right path. And that's just a wonderful thing because God loves us that much. Can we look to the Lord in prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for this season in which we celebrate the birth of your Son. Jesus Christ, our Lord, He lived His life here on earth as a teacher, as a servant and as our Savior, born perfect and without sin. And when he rose again from the dead, he ascended to the right hand of heaven. He's with you, God. He is you. But he promised to not leave us comfortless, so he sent the Holy Spirit to instruct us, to guide us, to correct us, to show us the way, just like your word says. So we thank you for that. And Father, we ask that as we worship you, continue in worship, that you pour out your Holy Spirit on this place, that you let it run through the walls of this room, but not contained by the walls of this room, that when we leave, we leave telling the world our Savior is born, he's alive, and that we tell others about the good word of Jesus Christ. So we thank you, Lord, for everything that you've done and that you're doing in our lives. And we love you. We praise you. We worship you. We glorify you and we magnify your holy name. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
3: Hey, CTC family. Welcome to a no-frills holiday edition of the Weekend Announcements. We pray that everyone had a wonderful Christmas day. I'm Bill.
4: And I'm Debbie. And here's this week's news.
3: We are so excited about the response to our new location for our online campus. Our Christmas Eve services were the first to be available only on the church online platform. Many of you were involved in the chat, interacting with our host, and during the two nights of our Christmas services, 13 people raised their hands, virtually indicating they had asked Jesus to be the Lord of their lives we are still looking for people who would commit to being host. If you are interested, please contact the church office and we will get you trained.
4: Perspectives on the World Christian Movement is coming the end of January. Perspectives is a 15-week in-depth course that explores how God is moving in the world today. The class is available as either in person or on Zoom. You can see Doug or Denise Kinnear to find out more info or to sign up for the course.
3: On the weekend of January 8th and 9th, we will begin a brand new series called God's Eye View. During this series, we will have the chance to see the world and all of God's creation the way that He sees it. Many of the messages will coincide with topics covered in the Perspectives class.
4: For more information on these and other events, visit our website at ctcde.net or go to our Facebook page. If you need prayer, you can call the church office at 302-836-2862 or text us at 888-344-1022. You can also email us at prayer at ctcde.net or if you're worshiping online, you can click the request prayer button at the bottom of your screen. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. God bless you and have a great week.
3: Good morning. Merry Christmas. Welcome to all of you. Um, I don't know what to say about the talking head dude that was just in that video because he knows better than anybody else that you don't wear a dark shirt to sit in front of a dark background to film a video. So I apologize for the floating head, but maybe you still got the information that you needed to get from that. Uh, We do welcome you, we especially welcome those who are. Uh, worshiping at, uh, at our online campus today. And we want to say Merry Christmas. We hope that you guys have a great day today and uh, that you've had a great Christmas season. Uh, our as we said in the video here, our uh, church online platform is now where all of our folks are worshiping with us uh, at our online campus, and we're really, really excited about the tools uh, that that gives us to minister to our community, to minister to uh, the people who normally come, and to uh, reach out to people who aren't already part of our online campus. And so we're just grateful for that. So I want to just talk to you for a couple minutes about giving, and thank you again for your faithfulness in giving uh, we couldn't do what we do. We absolutely could not do what we do without the faithfulness of God's people. And so one more time, I just want to say thank you for being faithful to what God has called you to do and being faithful to answer that call. If you would like to uh, give an online offering today, you can go to our Uh, online platform which is ctcde.net forward slash give and uh, again you can we go through secure give and it is very secure Uh, you can set it up to be a one-time or you can set it up to be recurring and so you don't even have to think about it anymore and uh, so we just want to thank you again for your faithfulness and we want to uh, encourage you to just as the new year and we've just come through our Uh, stewardship series a few weeks ago, and uh, God has placed on each and every one of our hearts something that he wants us to do in the coming year. And so we just want to encourage you to be faithful in doing that. Would you stand with me as we pray today, as we contemplate giving, and as we continue to, uh, the the team continues to lead us in worship today. God, we thank you for your great blessing, and we thank you for your love. Thank you, Lord, for uh, for your care for us, and thank you, Lord, that you sustain us and that you keep us We thank you for the Christmas season that we celebrate the birth of your son. We thank you for the eternal life that you brought into the world and the eternal light that you give us when we say yes to you. And so, God, we pray that you would bless us as we give today as we are faithful to what you've called us to do. And we will thank you and give you praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. God bless you.
5: Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Brothers and sisters, do you adore him? Is he the light of your life? Is he your life? Praise God. Yes, he is. And we just want to thank Jesus for being there for us as he has always been. And he said, always will be. Amen. And now let us come boldly before the throne of grace. Where the apostle Paul says we can obtain mercy and find grace to help in our times of need, and I don't know about you, but I got need in my life right now, amen. If you do likewise, please, bow your heads wherever you are. Let's come humbly before the Lord and seek his grace and mercy. Dear Heavenly Father, we just wanna say thank you for all that you've done in our lives, for all the blessings you have bestowed upon us this year and throughout our lives. You have kept us safe, dear God, from hurt, harm, and danger, from things seen and, yes, Lord, things unseen alike. We thank you for the covering of your feathers, dear God, for keeping us safe the way only you could do. We thank you for the angels that you have put over us to protect us, to bear us up in their hands so that we will not dash our foot against the stones of life's adversity. Lord, we want to collectively come to you and say thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for being the Lord of and king of kings of our life. And, Father, right now we just ask that you, Lord, bless all of us as we go through this last Sunday of a tumultuous year, dear God, that we could not have made it through without you. Bless those, dear God, whose lives have been affected by the COVID disease. Bless the families that have lost loved ones. Bless us all, dear God, that you have brought through the, the racial tensions that we experienced this year. And Lord, we pray for a better 2021. We know it's all up to you. The one in whom we live, move, and have our being. And Father God, we want to ask that you just bless our church. We love you, Lord. We adore thee. Christ, we exalt thee and every thought, word, and deed. May the words of our mouths and the meditations of our heart this coming year, may they be acceptable in thy sight, O God. And Lord, thank you for being our strength. Thank you for being our Redeemer. Heavenly Father, we ask that you touch and bless Pastor Bill as he brings the word of God today. Strengthen him, anoint him anew with your holy presence, dear God. Let him bring forth this word in a way that will permeate our hearts, open the windows of our understanding. We need to hear from God today. And Pastor Bill is well equipped to bring that precious word to us. Father, once again, we love you. Our eyes are upon you. Thank you, Jesus, for watching over us and providing for us. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.
3: You may be seated. Yeah, it's a little bit off today. We don't have a bumper, so you get, you, we just kind of shift gears, and we're right into this. So, again, we want to welcome you today. Welcome to those who are watching us online. Uh, earlier, when I was out here, I failed to mention our Connect card. Uh, if you uh, are worshiping with us today, and maybe it's, maybe you're new, uh, you can fill out that Connect card and let us know that uh, you're watching. Uh, let us know who's watching with you. Uh, if you want to just type it in the chat, I'm new. Uh, today, and one of our hosts will respond to that and uh, give you the information that you need uh, to, uh, to navigate the rest of today. So I'm about to say something that's going to shock you. Now, everybody here in the room is, I'm going to give, there's a couple of people that aren't sitting down. You're going to want to be sitting down for this. If you're at home and you're coming back from the kitchen with your third cup of coffee, I'm not judging you for how many cups of coffee you're having. I'm just telling you that what I'm about to tell you is going to shock you. Are you ready? 2020 has been a very, very difficult year. I know that shocks many of you because you're like, oh, wait, wait wait a minute, things have been going along fine for me. It's been a very, very difficult year for most of us, if not all of us. And I wouldn't pretend to be the only one standing up here saying that I have difficult circumstances in my life because I know you do too, but there are still difficult things that are going on in my life, difficult circumstances that I'm dealing with and my wife and I are dealing with right now that have just been difficult, that have been going on for a while. And it's just, you know, COVID has kind of helped us into that mindset. Now we've kind of shifted. If you think about where we were a year ago, even today, we were thinking about outreach and we were thinking about people in our community. And now, not that these things are bad, But we're thinking about wearing masks and washing hands and staying home and protecting ourselves and protecting our family. Again, these things are not bad. We've just shifted our focus to something else. And I believe today that even in the midst of what we're still going through, and who knows how much longer we're going to end up going through this, But I still believe that even in the midst of where we are today, we can still shift our focus again to begin to see the world the way God sees it. It is not an accident that over the weeks leading up to uh, and including Christmas Eve, Pastor Roger's sermon series was called All for Good because God brings circumstances or allows circumstances to come into our lives so that he can bring good out of them. And many of you, and including me, we can probably already look back on things that we've gone through in 2020 and say, God, if it hadn't been for, you know, I think about, I think about the awesome uh, media team that I had that I get to work with on a weekly basis. If it had not been for COVID, we would still be going along and, you know, eight, nine, ten people would be watching us online on Christmas Eve. On December the 24th, we had somewhere in the neighborhood of about seven or 800 people watching us on Christmas Eve. And that's thanks to COVID, right? So we took an opportunity to shift our focus from what we were doing in those days and shifted it to something else so that we could meet a need, so that God could meet a need that we had for a specific time. And as we begin to continue to shift our focus from things that bring us down, from the things that are only circumstances in our own lives to a place where we can focus on what God is doing through us and what God is doing in other people, then I believe that God will bring even greater things into our lives. One of the things that I love doing is photography, and you can see the, the uh, camera lens that's a part of the graphic for today. Photographers... Uh, and you photographers in the room, you can attest to this, most of the time, depending on what kind of shot you're looking for, what kind of lens you're using, you're always focused on something. Now, I've taken pictures that are out of focus, but the subject is out of focus, but there's something in the background that's in focus, or there's something in the foreground that's in focus, but, because we're always focusing on something, right? It's important, though, for us, as we enter 2021, I think to focus on the right thing. youth pastor that I worked with a number of years ago, he had a a plaque on his desk and it said, actually it was hanging on his door, it said the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. And so that's an opportunity for us to focus on what we should be focusing on. And sometimes we have to shift our focus. When you're driving down the road in a car, if you have a manual transmission You start off in first gear, right? Then you move to second, third, fourth, fifth, however many gears you have. If you're a trucker, you probably have 25 gears. The point is, it doesn't matter how many gears you're shifting into, you're still moving forward. And you're working with what you already have, but you're fine-tuning the focus of the gear that you're in so that it will get you to the speed and the torque and hill climbing and all those kinds of things that you need out of a gear in an automobile or in a truck. Next month, uh, as we said, and and the talking head also made a mistake in the dates of when the um, next series is going to begin. It's not January 8th and 9th, it's January 9th and 10th. We're not starting a Friday night service. So uh, mark that on your calendars as January 9th and 10th is when our God's eye view uh, series starts. And if, you are, uh, if you're interested in that perspective series, Doug and Denise Kinnear are still recruiting people. There's still openings in that class. And uh, so you can see them if you're interested in doing that. The five weeks that we're going to be in this God's Eye View series leading up to Lent, we're going to be talking about an opportunity for us to shift our perspective to see the world and the things that are going on in the world the way God sees them. And so we're not only thinking, God, what are the circumstances in my life that you're doing something, that you're trying to do and work all for good, but what are things that are happening in the world and what are things that I can participate in in your kingdom to help see that plan borne out in other people's lives? So today we want to try to build a bridge between focusing on only our circumstances and beginning to turn that outward and see the world and all of us God's creation and God's creatures the way he sees them, because he wants his plan to unfold in their lives. So I'm going to read a passage of Scripture, and then you're going to see how we're going to read this passage of Scripture, and then we're going to kind of backtrack and fill in the blanks. Our passage of Scripture today comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18, and Paul says this, that is why we never give up. Wait a minute, what is why we never give up? I'm glad you asked. We'll come back to that in just a minute. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you, Lord, that you've given us the ability to focus and to fine-tune that focus on a daily basis. And as we walk through the steps of your word today, speak to our hearts and encourage us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, it took six years and billions and billions of dollars to do this, but in 2005, scientists finally came up with the world's most sensitive telescope. How sensitive is the telescope? I'm glad you ask. The moon is 250,000 miles from the earth. This telescope is so sensitive and so powerful that if you were standing on earth looking through this telescope, you could see an astronaut standing on the moon waving. That's how sensitive that telescope is. This telescope will, is able to focus to within one millionth the width of a human hair. Now when you're looking for planets and galaxies and other things that are hundreds and thousands of light years away, you have to have something that will fine tune your focus that greatly that, that that immensely, right? But say you're just sitting down at your table in the morning and all you want to do is read the verse of the day on you version. You don't need a telescope like that, right? Most of us we just pull out our cheaters, we pull out our reading glasses, right? So that gives us the opportunity to focus on what's right in front of us. Now, I'm supposed to wear corrective lenses, so I hope there's no law enforcement watching this because I'm going to get in my car a little bit later and I'm going to drive down the road and I have no corrective lenses in. So don't report me if you don't mind. But when I wear contact lenses, I can see distance, but I can't see up close. So I have to have reading glasses to see up close, and some of the other people who have 50-itis in the room are shaking their heads, because that's what happens when you get to this age sometimes. Not everybody, but I'm one of those people, and so that's sometimes why I don't even bother with it, because I have to put the contact lenses in, and then they don't fit, and I have an astigmatism, and if they rotate this way, even just a little bit, now I can't see at all. And so I'm constantly playing with them and trying to get them back. And when I sit down to read something, I have to put on the reading glasses. And so I'm just like, why do I even mess with this? So sometimes you see me with contacts and readers and sometimes you don't. But the point is, we have to have an opportunity to focus on what's right in front of us sometimes. Sometimes. Sometimes those contacts or reading or glasses or whatever we need is it helps us to see to drive or it helps us to sit in a classroom and see the the chalkboard or the whiteboard or whatever uh, we're using. But the point is that we all need sometimes help in focusing or refocusing. I want to give you a little bit of background, a little bit of uh, context on this passage of scripture that. Uh, Paul is writing to us this morning. He's he's writing rather to the church, and uh, we're getting the opportunity to read that. Uh, Paul was writing from the perspective of reflecting on his life and ministry, and Paul's life and ministry was difficult, to say the least. Would you agree with that? You read Paul's writings, and you, you understand that Paul's life and his ministry was not easy. It was a difficult road for him. And so this is the perspective that Paul is writing to us, Uh, writing to the church from in this. Paul battled unbelievers who fought the message of the gospel. Paul fought aging and uh, health challenges. He had a thorn in the flesh, right? We don't know what that was, but he he walked with a limp, basically. And he took that with him throughout his entire life. And he prayed to the Lord over and over and over again, God, would you please take this away from me? But God left it there. So that Paul could understand that the things that he did, the things that Paul accomplished had nothing to do with who Paul was, but everything to do with who God was. Paul battled constant wear and tear that left him, as verse 16 said, as we read a few minutes ago, wasting away. Both at the beginning and at the end of chapter 4, Paul says, this is why we never give up. This is why we never give up because there's so many things against us. There's so many things against the message of the gospel. There's so many things that want to draw our attention away from what we should be focusing on that we have to keep ourselves we have to keep ourselves of the mindset that we have to continue to focus every day. Paul understood and wrote a lot from the perspective of athletic competition. In that in the context of that day, Olympic type athletic competition was huge. And so Paul always wrote about striving for the finish line and and working to condition yourself. And so because he understood that, this is the perspective that he's writing from. And Paul understood that the only way that he could manage to keep fighting was to keep his focus sharp. And for that, he had to focus on that every single day. Now, I have... Uh, I have been sick over the last couple of weeks, and I had some surgery. I had kidney stones, and many of you are, are aware of that. And, and so I haven't run seriously in over a month. And I was thinking about this this morning, and I, I thought to myself, when when I get the chance to go back out and run again, it's almost going to be like I'm starting over. Because conditioning yourself, running, and any kind of athletic experience uh, shape that you try to get yourself in requires regular attention given to that so when i go out the next time and run maybe i'll just post something online and you can pray for me because it's not going to be easy but you got to get back out there and you got to do it again or you'll never get back into that kind of shape now ginger she had surgery a few weeks ago and like three days later she's walking from her house to the church I'm "I'm so envious of you because she's probably in better shape than I am. So I want to talk to you about just a couple of things today that we can do to keep our focus sharp. And the first thing is we have to choose the right finish line. We have to choose the right finish line. Now, understanding that along with the right finish line, there come intermediate finish lines. When I put on my running shoes and I go out to run a 10 mile, to do a 10-mile run, I'm not standing at the beginning of the run knowing what it's going to look like exactly and feel like when I get to the end of it. But I have intermediate finish lines. I want to make it to that bridge. I want to make it to this intersection. I want to make it to this landmark. I want to make it to this corner store. And all along the way, there are intermediate finish lines that help me focus on what the ultimate finish line is. Now, for us in our lives, the ultimate finish line is that eternal reward. But there are still, because we still have life and breath on this earth, there are still intermediate finish lines that we have to take into account and that we have to be mindful of. So we have to understand that even though there is a right finish line, which is the eternal finish line, there are intermediate finish lines. In 2005, Ron Bailey was the first American amateur to be able to be allowed to enter the Dakar Rally. Anybody know what that is? It's a a rally that, it's an off-road race. It's a very dangerous off-road race, 7,000 miles, that starts in Paris, France, and ends in Dakar, which is a city in Senegal. Now, Ron Bailey was the first American amateur ever to be allowed into the Dakar Rally. He spent $300,000 on his car, He had a driving partner, they had supplies, but here's what he had to look forward to. It went through the desert, so they were promised sandstorms. There were areas where there was civil unrest, so there were bandits and and thieves and all kinds of other people along the route. There were even landmines that they had to be worried about encountering. So you're like, sign me up for that, right? I want to do that. Each year at this race, around fourteen or 1,500 competitors sign up for the race and are allowed in, and less than half of them even finish. So Ron Bailey and his partner had gotten two or three days into the race when they came upon a terrible sandstorm, and they got lost, and there was all kinds of confusion, and they ran out of fuel. Now, they didn't have any extra fuel on their vehicle, So for five days, they survived in the desert on a day's worth of water and a sack lunch. Sounds like five loaves and two fishes, doesn't it? But that's what they survived on for five days. Finally, after that five days had passed, somebody came upon them and brought them some fuel, and they continued along their way. But because of the confusion of the sandstorm, they had missed a checkpoint, so they were disqualified from the race. But even though they were disqualified from the race, they decided to finish. So however many days later, 7,000 miles, they, they, who knows how, I don't know how long, how far they were into the race, but 7,000 miles later, they finished a race they were disqualified from. And when they started talking about the experience afterward, they were not so much talking about the finish line that they missed. They were talking about the finish line that they misinterpreted. Because in an interview, after they finished, Ron Bailey said, I understand now that the car is not a race. It's a test of a man's character. This life is not a race. It's a test of our character. It's a test to see how we will focus on what God has given us to focus on. So the sandstorms, the landmines, the thieves, the bad stuff that happens in our lives, there is still a finish line. There is still an eternal finish line. Paul understood that when he said that his eyes were on eternal glory and on things that far outweighed any trouble that we could ever have here on earth. Now, even though Paul had that eternal glory and that eternal perspective in mind, he still had things that were temporary and things that were on this earth that kind of dominated his Google calendar, right? Paul was involved in starting churches. He was involved in developing theology for the early church. He was involved in a lot of things that were going to be seen as temporary, because even now when we say starting a church, the church of Jesus Christ is something that's eternal, but this building at some point is going to pass away, because one day we're going to be gone and we're going to be enjoying the presence of the Lord in a place where we are in the presence of the Lord, and so this building is not going to last forever. But Paul understood that eternal glory that he was working for in terms of the real finish line. And that's what he focused on. So we have to understand the right finish line. The second thing we have to do is understand and accept the imperfect nature of this life. Paul, in in his writings in this chapter, in verse 8, he says, we're hard-pressed on every side. In verse 9, he says, we're persecuted and struck down. And in verse 16, he said, we're wasting away. But here's the visual that Paul wants us to see in this chapter, and that is we have treasure in what? Earthen vessels, in jars of clay. Now, treasure in jars of clay, that's an oxymoron. But in God's economy, things are different. When the Magi came from the East to bring treasured gifts to Jesus, they didn't bring frankincense in a broken-down box they brought it in a really nice vessel. They didn't bring the gold in a burlap sack or a clay pot. When Mary of Bethany came in and broke the jar of perfume on Jesus' feet, it was not a cheap glass. Between the vessel that she brought and what was in it, It was a year's wages. So treasure in jars of clay doesn't make sense in our economy, but it makes sense in God's economy. Because, again, God wants us to understand that we don't do any of this on our own. That it's only because of his glory, it's only because of his anointing, it's only because of the things that he's given us, gifted us, and given us to do that we are even able to finish this race that we're in. And we understand, God understands, Paul understood when he was writing this, that jars of clay don't last forever. This body is not going to last forever. But the things that we do for God the fact that we've given our heart and our soul to him, that we've given our lives to him, and that we will be with him for eternity, those things don't change. Just because our body wastes away, just because we get some kind of disease, or just because we, we, are, just because we have a, uh, an ailment, or we walk with a limp, or whatever, or we die and pass from this life into the next, there's still a finish line that we have to understand, and also understand the imperfect nature of our lives. We are always surrounded by things that are imperfect. My grandfather, on my mom's side, he had this really, really innate ability to keep you humble. And so I remember this one thing that he told me a long, long time ago. I was probably just out of high school and kind of struggling with uh, you know, how some things were going in my life and searching for significance in ministry and, and you know, struggling with some things at, the ch- at a church where I was serving uh, as a worship leader. And I was just kind of pouring my heart out to him one day and he said, you know, son, he said, if you ever find the perfect church, don't join it because you'll just mess it up. And I thought, yeah, you're right, because... Just like I see imperfections in other people and you see imperfections, there are imperfections in us, right? The beam in our own eye and the plank in somebody else's eye, we all have beams and planks to deal with. The toast is going to get burnt. There's going to be traffic jams. There'll be sick employees. There'll be angry customers. There'll be demanding bosses. Not you, Pastor Roger. God bless you, my friend. But all these things are going to happen in our lives, but our focus has to remain because we have to accept the imperfect nature of this world. David became the greatest king in Israel's history. But if you look closely, there's a story in First Samuel chapter 22. Uh, beginning. It's just verse 1 and 2 if you want to look at it at some point. David was surrounded by 400 people who were all in distress, indebted, or discontented. That's quite a band of merry followers, isn't it? But if David had waited for the perfect team or the perfect group of people to surround himself with in order to do what he was going to do, we would have never heard from him, ever. But this is who God gave him to work with. David said, okay, and he became the greatest king in Israel's history because he understood the imperfect nature of life. The person who can accept the imperfect nature of this life will be happier and healthier and more productive. But when we cannot accept the imperfect nature of this life and everything in it, then we're just going to worry ourselves into an ulcer or something worse. If your church disappoints you, the Great Commission still remains. If a friend or a child or a spouse disappoints you, love will still remain the greatest attitude within your control if your plan hits a snag along the way your mission our mission is to stay on course again just in my own life I was looking back at the last six years just a few days ago over the last few days the last six years of our lives Debbie right wave to me has not been easy it's not been an easy road to get where we are now but we were also talking the other day about where we are now and how grateful we are for what, if you had asked me six years ago, would you ever consider going to Delaware? Where's that? Uh, no. I, I don't have any interest in going to Delaware. But if you really want to amuse God, just go ahead and say, mm, yeah, I don't think I want to do that. Because he'll say, Hmm, okay. I got your number. And there have been a series of very painful things that we've walked through over the, over the four years or so leading up to when we came here to Christ the Cornerstone. But looking back on those things, you, you know, you think about situations like that and you think about how you get to where you are and you think, God, I, I thank you for what I learned through that. But then there are times when, we, when I think about those circumstances and I think if I had known the end from the beginning, I would not have gotten on that bus. I just wouldn't. But God understands and he knows that there's an imperfect nature to our lives. So we have to choose the right finish line, we have to accept the imperfect nature of our lives, and we have to fine-tune our focus on Jesus Christ every single day. I said a few minutes ago that staying in shape athletically is not a a once-a-month, I can't just go out and run 10 miles once a month and expect to be in shape. It's just not going to happen. Maybe even fine-tuning ourselves, and I've... I don't know, maybe I'm the only one. I hope I'm the only one, but maybe not. That I have to fine-tune my focus a number of times a day. Now, I'm going to go back to making fun of myself on the announcement video here for a couple of seconds because every week when we film the announcement video, anybody who's been in that room with me knows that every time I get ready to press the record button, I refocus the camera because you get one shot to do that. And when we put it on the big screen and you're the floating head and your head is out of focus, then you got a really big problem because you've taken all that time to put together this video, but you didn't do one simple thing, and that was press the focus button. Press the focus button. Press the focus button. Press the focus button. Over and over and over and over again. And if you've been in that room with us on Tuesday or Thursday or uh, we film on various days... You'll hear me say over and over again, hang on, I need to pull focus. Hang on, I need to pull focus. Because you get one shot. And once it's in the can, so to speak, you can't refocus it. It is what it is. So we have to fine-tune our focus on Jesus Christ every day. Paul understood this. Paul understood that discipleship was a slow and steady process. Discipleship is not an intense one-week class that you can sit in and be done with for the rest of your life. Discipleship is a slow and steady process that we have to go through over and over and over again. In this chapter alone, Paul talks about renouncing secret and shameful ways in verse 2, fighting deception and distortion, preaching for God's glory and not his own, and becoming a light in the culture of darkness. In other writings, Paul confesses to his ongoing battle with temptation, which is found in Romans 7, his loneliness in 2 Timothy, and his failing health in the book of 2 Corinthians. For Paul, fine-tuning was a process that happened every single day. Anybody watch NASCAR races? I watch the NASCAR races once in a while. They can pull their car in, and their pit crew jumps out there, and they can make fine adjustments on a car in 15 seconds or less they're not rebuilding the whole car. Because that's not the point. The car is already what it should be, but it just needs some fine adjustments from time to time. When you have your computer hard drive, when you update things on your computer hard drive, you're not rebuilding the computer every time. That would be pointless. It's a perfectly working computer. All it needs is a few updates. When a piano tuner comes to tune a piano, they don't take the piano completely apart, all the strings off the sounding board and rebuild the entire shell of it when they tune it. They bring their oscilloscopes and their wrenches and they play the notes and they fine-tune the instrument so it sounds like it's supposed to sound. The point is, with us, God is not telling us that we need to get saved again every morning that we need to get saved again every time that we lose a little bit of our focus in our lives. What he's saying to us is, you need to take what you already have, what I've already given you, the discipleship principles that I've already built into you, and we need to fine-tune those things just a little bit. Because that's what needs to happen in order for us to continue on this road to the right finish line. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back and uh, get ready to lead us in some worship. But as we uh, close this out today, fine-tuning is rarely a noisy process. Fine-tuning is rarely a noisy process. Rather, it's a process that takes time and solitude most often. Now, I don't do my best fine-tuning when i'm sitting in my house with the tv going with the dog barking because he's already been out 37 times and he wants to go out again or he's out for the 37th time and he wants to come back in that's not that's not an atmosphere that's conducive to me to fine tuning for fine tuning i need to get in my car and go for a drive without any music on or i need to go down and sit by the water I need to sit by a fire with my Bible or a book or a Bible and a book or just my thoughts and my ability to call out to God and say, God, what are you doing? And I want to confess to you right now that I'm in a season of that right now and I've said this before when I've been up here that I hope some of you get something out of this message but primarily when I stand up here and preach I'm preaching to myself, unfortunately so God bless you, you get to hear me preach to myself again but I'm in a season of fine tuning right now and I have found that more and more often that I need that solitude, I need that time away I just need to to shut the phone off I'll take this and I'll just... Anybody ever? Anybody know that this has a power button? You can actually turn it off. I did that the other day. For six hours, my phone was off, my watch was off, my computer was shut. And I just had an opportunity to just have some fine-tuning with God. And sometimes fine-tuning is painful. I'm just going to be very honest with you. Fine-tuning is not always God sitting there... With his arm around us going It's going to be okay Although it is At least with me, sometimes it's You know, upside the head with a two by four Because that's what I need sometimes But when we take that time To set aside time for fine tuning and Focus on the right finish line Understand the imperfect nature of this life and allow God to fine-tune us every single day. Then we get to the point where we understand what it is that he wants us to do. How he wants us to love people. The kind of compassion he wants us to have for people. And the ways that we can reach out to our neighbors and to our world our families with the love of Jesus I'm going to invite you to stand with me today and I want you to think about some steps that you can take next maybe you're watching us online and you just want to type it in the chat I need to refocus I need to refocus just type it in the chat I need to refocus if you need prayer today, you're watching us online, you can click the request prayer button and one of our hosts will respond and they'll uh, they'll join you in a chat room and be able to pray with you and and agree with you in prayer. But I want us to do this today. I want us to f- focus our attention on him. Focus our attention on understanding how it is that he wants us to live, how it is that he wants us to approach life how it is that he wants us to see other people. You can send us a text if you need prayer, 888-344-1022. You can visit us on Facebook or on Instagram. You can call the church office if you need us during the week. Our office is closed on Monday, but uh, the text number and the request prayer button on our online campus is always available. And we would love to pray with you. Would you join me in prayer today? Father, we thank you, God, for the opportunity that we have to refocus our lives, to refocus our attention on who you are and who it is you want us to be. So, God, as we take time, maybe in this coming week, to get alone with you and to purpose ourselves on refocusing, on refining our focus, Help us, God, to see ourselves the way you see us. Give us the focus that we need, and we will praise you and honor you and glorify you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said,
1: amen.